yawning. It's an interesting thing. Some of you almost did it. Some of you were close. You were, you're fighting it right now. You're fighting it. You're, you're strong, I know, powerful. It's an interesting thing. We don't, really, uh, we don't really think much about yawning, but it's really hard to be dignified when you yawn. Because your mouth gets ridiculously largely open. It's like your, your jaw de, you know, dislocates to make this. There's no way to do it in a dignified way, is there? But you see someone do it, and what do you feel like you've got to do? Right? Cats purring. If you've been around a cat, you know that cats like to purr. A little bubbly little sound. Interesting phenomenon. Hmm. Uh, there, there's a mushroom that only grows, <clears throat> this is true, in only two places on the planet. A little spot in Japan and a little spot in Texas. You can Google it later. Check me on that. Check the references. But only two places on the globe. Dark matter. How about this? Again, interesting phenomena. Let's talk about gravity. Gravity is one of the few forces that only attracts. Where almost every other force out there has an op equal and opposite. But gravity does not. Hmm. Interesting phenomena. What do you think links all these together? Have you thought, have you figured it out yet? Some of you might have already caught me on this. These are things that science has yet to figure out. Now, I know you're going you're gonna to push back on that, like, no, we know why we yawn, because it, like, resets your oxygen levels. No, we really, we, the jury's still out, folks. That We don't know why cats purr. Makes no sense in the chain of the things. Uh, Maybe you're, okay, you're still on the fence right now. You're on the fence because you think, no, we're, we're technologically advanced. We know these things, Ben. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay, let me add a few more. Apparently, a tomato has more DNA information than is contained in human DNA. Okay, you're, okay, you're still skeptical with me. Well, keep, let's keep going. Scientists are not sure why ice is slippery. Jury's still out on, on that one. Uh, you could add to this so many other, like, let's talk about consciousness. H how does that happen? Or, or, or we could talk about why we dream. These are things, once again, that science has yet to figure out. Things that are kind of beyond the reach right now of science. Look, I've wrestled with some other things, right? Maybe you have too. Uh, you could probably in a lot of things. Some animals, if they lose like an, uh, an appendage, they can regrow the thing. That is unbelievable. The human body can even do some of that crazy stuff. It's scientifical. I don't know what to call it. But, but the internet. Okay, I realize I'm now dating myself because I am a Gen Xer, but the internet is still, that boggles my mind. This, this thing out there, this cloud that all this data transfers and and I can, I can, you know, go to space and back in seconds on my phone to get the GP. This thing is pretty fantastical to me. Birds and other animals, they migrate every year and they know where to go. Birds can fly 
hundreds and hundreds, thousands of miles to a spot, and as far as I can tell, they're not using a smartphone. They, they can figure, that boggles my mind. The seasons, no wind to change. These are things that are pretty crazy wild. And some of these things go beyond the scope of so Look, we've all seen things that we can't quite explain, right? There are things that, that just still defy the mind. And, and look, I realize not all of these are miracles, okay? I get that. These things that happen, even if we don't understand it, but it's awesome, we can't quite get the answers for it. We know they're not all miracles, but there's been a few miracles that I feel like we miss a lot. I don't know if you're, you're like me, but sometimes, you know, dawn, the beauty of dawn just kind of takes my breath away. Or a sunset with someone that you love. Or staring up at the sky and seeing these stars. And if, you, if you're paying attention, the constellations aren't always in the same spot in the sky. Have you figured out that deal? It's, it's awesome to me. I'll use my word again. It's fantastical. I realize that these are not all true found miracles, but they are, there's something powerful. When I see these things, and maybe you feel like that too, when you see those little things, even, even the love that you have in your life. I, I know some of you. And you got people that love you. That is kind of a miracle. Is it not? <laughs> Can I say that? These things, they're beautiful and there's something to celebrate. I just, my point is, God is still doing stuff in our world. There are still miracles happening. Can you think through your week, your day, how many things that you see and you, and, and you miss what, what God might be doing? There are miracles, I think, around us all the time. And most of the time, I think we're just not paying attention. We're, we're in a rush. we got to get to point A to point B. And we don't stop and realize how many beautiful things God is still doing. Today we are concluding uh, what's been a six-part series, looking at the miracles of Jesus. And if, if you missed any of them, that's okay. You can catch our, our podcast. You can go to our, our website and catch, catch up on those. We, we started the whole series with Jesus' first miracle. Well, what one was that one? Water to wine, John chapter 2. Jesus at a wedding makes hundreds of gallons of really good wine. That was his inaugural, hello everybody, I'm God. That was an interesting thing. But if you missed any of those, you can go back and listen. But Jesus had command over natural elements. He had command over the spiritual realm. And he had command over the human body. There was a time where like, he, he showed his command over like nature and really terrified his disciples that were in that boat. When he said, calm, and the storm stopped, can you imagine just having been in that boat? You would not get out of that boat the same. Right? All these miracles that Jesus has been doing. And, and last week we talked about a pretty game-changing miracle where Jesus called a friend of his, Lazarus, out of the tomb, and he'd been four days. In fact, people didn't really want Jesus to, to mess with the body or whatever. They were worried there was going to be a smell. And he said, Lazarus, come out. That was a game changer. In fact, that actually ended up making the religious leaders want to kill not just Jesus, but now we got to kill Lazarus again. they got to kill the guy Jesus just raised from the dead because they were worried that people were really going to find faith. Well, we've been asking in this series how we can experience more of the miraculous in our lives. Because, I mean, deep down, I feel like 
I feel like we miss some miracles that God is doing, and I believe that he still wants to do some miracles in your life. We've been asking all the time in this series, what is something miraculous that you need God to do for you? Is there some big thing that you really need a touch from the Lord on? And have you had the courage to ask him? Have you really asked him? I think too often times we assume for whatever reason that you, you and I, we can handle these certain things. But some things are only God-sized problems and only he can do it. Have you asked for that big thing that you need, a touch in your life from Jesus? What do you need God to do for you? And maybe today is a day you start asking. Maybe today is a day thinking about miracles. That God, you're going to do something miraculous in our lives. So, my Pastor Ben, I'm glad you were with us today. Happy Easter 2022. It's feel like it's been a long time since we have been able to really actually have gatherings and things like that. And I believe God is still working in this world. And he's got something big for us today on Easter. So I want to pray for us here in a minute. But today we're talking about the miracle of all miracles. Jesus raised himself from the dead. No one does that, okay? So let's pray and ask God to move. Father, we, we pray, we bow our heads uh, really just to, to honor you as King and Lord. Father, you did amazing things. You're in charge, we're not. And in Christ, in this resurrection, we see you doing all the game-changing things in this world. And Father, I pray that you'd help each of us hear from you, that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way, and that we would experience the miraculous in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, well, grab a Bible or a device if you have a tablet, a smartphone. Those are great things to have a Bible app on. I encourage you to do that. Some good tools out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reading from the English Standard Version today for our scripture. It's in John chapter 20. Uh, John is the fourth of the four what we call Gospels. They're really the autobiographies of Jesus. And each of these four are told from a different camera angle. So we get a little bit more detail on the life of Jesus. And we're going to be in John's Gospel, John chapter 20. The story of Jesus is pretty amazing. Even if you're not a religious person, right? The story is still pretty amazing. People talk about Jesus just because, I mean, his teaching was amazing. His life was pretty amazing. I mean, look, think about this. His, think about his birth alone. The birth alone was pretty interesting. You got a couple of teenagers. Uh, there's a, a pregnancy, and that had some scandal around it. You know what I'm talking about. And they had to, like, travel because the Roman government wanted them to do some kind of a census thing, probably because they wanted more taxes. It's an interesting start to the story of Jesus. Thank you, Christmas. We have that story, and that's fun. But then you kind of look at his life and some of the interactions that he had with people. He started building some friendships. He, he built, like, a a smelly football team that hung out with him all the time. We call them the disciples. And they would hung out, hung out with him, and he would do stuff and teach them. Then he had you know, interactions with religious leaders, and those tended to be those difficult conversations. And Jesus was constantly trying to help them understand what God's will was in all their religiousness. So he had all these conversations. His life is fascinating. His birth was fascinating. But a lot of the Gospels focus on this last week of his life. And I think part of that is it was so impactful for them. They saw things that they would never forget. You ever have something like that in your life? Just those moments you will never forget. These were moments they would not forget. And we're going to see detail in this story uh, here in, in John chapter 20, this account of Jesus on that first Sunday that will, will I think, really help move the, move the story forward. So in John's Gospel, chapter 20, Verse 1, I'm just going to read it down, and uh, I'm, I'm using my good old-fashioned printed version. 
This is uh, the large print. I went and saw the eye doctor last week, and he said, Ben, you're a man of a certain age. You need uh, large print. You probably can read that from your seat. I know you can. <clears throat> John chapter 20, starting with verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, we know that, we, that day was Sunday. The first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Clue number one that something's up. Verse 2, so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Okay, that's probably the writer, John. He's talking about himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Interesting, isn't it? Okay, so Mary goes to them, right, and uh, to both of them and said to them, they, who's they? They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and, do, and, and we do not know where, where they have laid him. So the immediate assumption is someone's done some grave robbing. That's the first conclusion that she makes. And they, we don't know who they is. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Are you following with me? So they're heading there. Verse 4, both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Is that really necessary? I realize John's the writer, so he's like, well, if I'm writing this thing, I beat him. Now, rabbinical, rabbinical history would have said, hey, these disciples were probably teenagers. And Peter was probably the oldest of them. And it turns out he probably was married. So he's the oldest one. So, yeah, he's a little older, right? He's a man of a certain age. I understand. And John, the other disciple whom Jesus loved, beat him. Okay, I just find that detail interesting. Unnecessary, right? Okay. Verse 5, I digress. And, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there that, that were wrapped around Jesus' dead body, okay? He saw the linen cloths lying there, um, but, but he, did not, uh, he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, uh, following him, and went into the tomb. So John's outside the tomb, kind of looking in, sees the curious details, and then... Peter goes into the tomb. So now Peter's in there. And he went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. You find that detail interesting? Like somebody intentionally wrapped it and set it there. Interesting, right? Okay, hang on to that. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, in case we forgot that detail, also went in. So John went in second, and he saw, and he did what? He believed right away. Like, he made all the connections. That's what he was wearing when he died. Or, you know, after he died, they wrapped him in that. Immediate connection, right? But for as yet, they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Game changer day. Do you know that human history will never be the same? Because that, that tomb was empty. Now, there are some other details that we get. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are four kind of gospel accounts telling the, 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 the recording of Jesus' life. We get a few more details. First of all, Mary Magdalene wasn't the only lady there. There were at least three together. Some other, other folks, and probably people that were part of the discipleship group, 
uh, maybe part of the, the crowd that was following Jesus around. Curious detail that you may have left out if you were recording this. Do you realize the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection were not men? Why does that matter? In that day and age, it was a very patriarchal society, even in Greco-Roman circles, and the testimony, the witness of women did not have any weight in court. Only male witnesses had weight in court. It's an interesting detail that we find that the reason many of us are in this room right now is because some women went to the tomb and it was empty. The testimony of those women are the reason, in many ways, that we are here. They told Simon Peter, they told John. They were the witnesses, though. They were the first. Now we find out there was an earthquake that happened. We find out that some angels were actually the ones in charge of rolling the the, the, the stone away. And so that was interesting. And while they're in that process, somehow the guards caught wind that there's these angelic beings. We don't really know how the interaction went. All we know is the guards were terrified literally to death. They almost, it just says that you can look at it. Look at it this week. They were terrified to death. And they hightail it out of there. And then the angels are kind of there when those first witnesses show up. And what are the angels telling the disciples? He told you. He told you he was going to do this. He told you this was going to happen. And they still couldn't get their minds around it. They said he would. And then in the meanwhile, back at the farm, whatever, the guards go back to the religious leaders and what are they trying to do there? Do they deny that the tomb was empty? Nope. They had to do a cover-up. They hey, we're going to pay you some money, keep it on the lowdown, you know, just tell people that the disciples stole the body. Yeah, like that ragtag group of smelly football team could figure out all the, 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 the tr- trickery of getting this body and moving the stone. That's, that's a really tall order there. But they tell a story. This was a game-changing moment, right? We have a cross in most Christian church buildings, and some of you wear it as jewelry around your neck, and the death was a big deal. That, I, that was a big deal. But it's the resurrection, that makes all the difference. It's the resurrection. So if that happened, he just died. Well, he's a good martyr and a pretty good teacher, but he was kind of deluded. No, that's just part of the story that ended in resurrection. And that was the game changer. And, and we find out that, look, at the perfect time in history, God did all this. Now, why would I say that? For the first time in human history, you had roads that were protected. and You could travel all through the Greco-Roman Empire. You had a universal language, the Greek language. Now you could travel and you could share a story that people all over the realm could understand. Jesus came at the right time in history. In fact, one of his followers, Paul, much later, Paul became a leader and and he wrote a lot of the New Testament letters that we have uh, in the scriptures. And he would say that Jesus came at the perfect time in history. In fact, Galatians 4.4 said, at just the right time, he came. It was the right moment in history, prime for it. And in fact, as the early church expanded, and, and folks that were living in these Greek and Roman towns heard that there was a God who loved them and would do anything to be in a relationship. When they heard that, it was a game changer because they were used to cutting themselves in front of statues of Zeus just so they could have a good crop that year. And when they heard that Jesus loves you already, 
that was a game changer. And as you know from history, within two to three hundred years, the church went from an illegal side group to all the way to Rome. Oh, game changer. That resurrection, just at the right time, God put on flesh, got in our mess, walked around, understood everything that we go through. He defeated sin and death. He overcome evil with good. And he gave us his message of love in person. Like the scriptures say in Hebrews, that at various times in history, God spoke to the prophets, to the people, and all that stuff. But, but, but now he has come in person. And that's Jesus. He came in person to show his message of love so that none of us would have any doubt. And then he does this game-changing thing by rising from the dead. He told his disciples before all this happened, around the time he raised Lazarus from the dead, there was an interaction that he had with, with Mary and Martha that were there. And he said to them, I am the resurrection and the life. Not, he, he didn't say, uh, I, I will uh, experience the resurrection, which, which he did. Uh, he didn't say, I am familiar with the concept of resurrection. Uh, he didn't say, I know the definition of resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. Like in him is the power over all that we know, the power over all matter. And he showed it in that moment. And I realize that sometimes when we talk about miracles or we talk about you know, Jesus, death, resurrection, those seem so big. They seem so, I don't know, almost mythical, right? They almost seem too big. And you might be thinking, maybe, maybe you've had some doubts like I have. There have been times in my life I've doubted, like, well, Lord, I don't know about this. You know, you, you did all these cool things in history, and we can read about them, but, but what's going on now? What about... We're about right now. And so maybe you're, you're like me. You've had some of those moments where you've gotten maybe a little skeptical on the miraculous. Maybe you, you think, well, I don't know. God did all those bible things. But what about now? What about right now? Is God still at work? Because you might look around at the planet or what's going on in, in different countries or what's on the news, and you might think, well, God, if you're there, why don't you step in? Why don't you intervene? We'll see things like injustice and abuse and violence, and we wonder... Right? You have moments like that where you're like, God, I want you to step in right now. I want to see justice done. And, and so we, we might doubt. And you might be thinking, Ben, look, I would believe, all right, I'd be all in if God would do this one miracle right in front of me. Now you fill in the blank, whatever that thing is. If God showed up and did a really cool card trick, that may be your thing. I don't know if it is. I think you might be a delusional. But anyway... What is that thing that you feel like, if God did this right in front of me, then I would believe? Would you? I don't know. You know, there's one moment in the New Testament where Jesus even told someone, even if someone rises from the dead, your family's not going to, they're not going to believe. We are stubborn people, aren't we? You'd see the miraculous right in front of us, like, nah, that's not it. What is wrong with us? Maybe, maybe on a serious note, Maybe you're someone who, who is a person of faith, and, and you've, you've prayed for something for a while, and it, and it hasn't come through. And that's hard, isn't it? Maybe it's a, a diagnosis, it's a, a family thing, it's something with your kiddos, or your grandkids, or, or something's gone, and you prayed, and it, and it hasn't happened, and you start to wonder, God, are you still there? I want that miracle, and why didn't it happen? 
maybe, just maybe, you have some things right now in your life that are dead and lifeless. And you know what? You need a resurrection touch from Jesus on that right now. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is for you. Again, if it's, a, if it's something in the marriage, if it's something with a career, financial stuff, is it, is it a diagnosis from a doctor that you need a resurrection touch from Jesus right now? What would be that miracle for you? You see, I think we need to open our minds a little bit to what a miracle could be. Because a, a miracle could be different things. A miracle could be the ability to give a few bucks to someone in need. That might be a miracle for you. You know, you may have struggled financially, but now you can be generous. That might be a miracle. What if, what if your miracle is being able to, to walk to the mailbox or to go to the store by yourself without debilitating anxiety? Now that, that might be a miracle for you. See, we need to open our minds here a bit to what a miracle might look like. Because we, we got we got all kinds of ways that God can work. What would it be for you? And it could be avoiding that divorce or going a day without stealing or lying to feed an addiction. That might be the miracle for you. What miracle do you need? What resurrection touch from Jesus do you need in your life right now? I bet there's a few needs in this, in this room. And have you, have you even dared to ask? Have you just asked? Ask. He, he can do it. And, and let me add another thing here. It, it's not just something about belief. It's sometimes there's some action needed to kind of spur some of the miraculous. And you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it takes, you know, bonehead Peter. Okay, we always rip on Peter. I think he was a pretty smart guy, actually. But we always talk about that story in the New Testament where Peter's in the boat and he sees Jesus walking to him on the water. Obviously, that's not something you see every day. And he's like, I'd like to do that. And Jesus said, well, come on out. And he, started, he comes on out. He takes a step. He wasn't sure if that step was going to sink him right away. Sometimes a little, a little action is required to see the miracle come, come through. Maybe, maybe God is calling you to take that, that little step so that by faith a miracle can take shape. And, and I, I, I love the Old Testament stories. And some of you maybe grew up in church, maybe you didn't. You may know some of these stories. But here's some proof, I guess, some bible proof. These are the golden oldie bible stories that I like that help us understand that sometimes we take a step. We, we take some action to, so, so that by faith we can let, let a miracle take shape. Uh, how about this? This is one of my favorites. Have you heard of the story about these people that had to march around a city for seven days, they got the army. They're all sitting on their butts. What we're going to do is we're going to march. They must have felt like idiots. You know what I mean? Marching around. But on the seventh day, God said, okay, blow some trumpets. We're like, we're going to musically take them down. This is, this is a good, good idea. And the walls came down. But it took the marching, right? Some action. How about, how about you? You're not convinced yet. What about this guy named Naaman? King Naaman, he was told by a prophet, hey, if you want to get healed, you need to pass by all these really nice bodies of water around you and go to the dirty Jordan River and dunk in there. And then you'll have your skin healed. And obviously the king's protesting. I am a king. I don't need to go get my... I have perfectly good water all around me. You're asking me to go to the dirty Jordan River? And he did. And guess what? So a little washing. 
was the step he took. How, how about this? How about, you're not convinced yet. What about Peter, who in a weird moment was cornered by some religious leaders, and the religious leader said, hey, do you and Jesus pay taxes? And he's like, yep. And then two seconds later, he goes to Jesus and says, hey, do we pay taxes? <laughs> and what does he do? Jesus said, all right, Peter, I need, to, I need to do some fun for you. I want you to go fishing, which Peter was very familiar with. Go fishing, and the first fish you catch, open its mouth. There's going to be some coins in there, and you go pay the tax. There's so much I can unpack right there. I, we don't have the time. We don't have the time. Read it. Just marvel over that. But that took some fishing. That was the next step. How about the, one more? I, I just reread this this morning, and I couldn't believe the numbers. So there was a moment in the period we call the Judges. This is the Old Testament, and you may be not familiar with it, but it was not a good time. And uh, there was a particular guy named Gideon. And uh, Gideon was kind of the, I don't know, the guy with the biggest mouth and tallest guy. And people were like, we're going to rally behind you, Gideon. We're going to go defeat our enemies. And so they had an army of about 30-some thousand people, soldiers. And, uh, and God's like, you know what? You have too many soldiers. And so in this process... He had to, Gideon, told by God, he said, I, I want this to be proof that I'm the one giving you the victory. So of those 32,000 or so men, I, I want you to pare that down to 300. And he got, the, he got the victory. He had to dismiss, did you catch that? 99, am I doing the math right? 99% of the army to get the victory. So what are we talking about? This is the next step. Maybe, maybe for, a, for, a, for, a, for that miracle to take shape that you want to ask for. Maybe it means a little next step might be, might be something you need to do, a little action step. Whether that be marching, I don't know, or washing, or uh, what was the other one? But dismissing, uh, fishing, action items. You take a step, and sometimes that's how God begins to let that miracle show up for you. Sometimes it takes that next step. So what would it take for you to believe that God can do with that miracle you need in your life? What is it going to take to believe that he can do that. And here's the deal. I, like you, have probably prayed for years on certain things. And, and we're still praying. Maybe it's you're praying for a family member, or you're praying for this particular thing, or you've got an ailment that just keeps bugging you, and you'd like that lifted from you. So we may have something like that we've been praying for a long time. Don't give up before the miracle. I think sometimes we, we ditch it too early. And we don't, we don't want to kind of dig in and just say, I'm going to keep praying, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to do the next right thing, and I'm going to keep Keep at it. And, and, and I think God is, is faithful. And here's the only point I have today. By, by, by certainly believing that God can do it and taking a next step, we can let faith shape a miracle. And I would love to see God shape some miracles for the folks in this room. Maybe you online too, we see you. That God would shape a miracle for you. He can even work in digital space. So I'm not really sure how, but he does. And, and let faith shape the miracle. In Jesus, God Almighty... This is a whole miracle, too. He, he, the scriptures say he put on flesh, walked around us in Jesus, walked with us in our mess and our muck and felt every sorrow we ever would ever feel. Uh, he, he understands. And through his life, death, and resurrection, he offers hope that there's a new way to be human. When his disciples first saw him risen from the dead, they could tell it was him, but he was slightly changed. And he offers that. In fact, we're going to do a baptism here after second service. That's kind of the idea. Death resurrection. He wants to do a new human thing in you. That when you say yes to Jesus, you're part of a new kingdom, and you begin to walk a new way to be human. Almost like a new humanity. So instead of taking revenge, 
you might turn another cheek. Instead of being angry, you're gentle. This is the new kingdom way to be human. And Jesus offers that partnership. He wants to partner with you and me to bring that new kingdom reality right here and right now and for the not yet. He wants to partner with you. Look, resurrection is the big thing. If resurrection didn't happen, we're all in a, hurt, a world of hurt. Listen to what Paul, we, we talked about Paul earlier. One more. This is Paul writing to a church in Corinth as the early church started to expand into the Roman Empire. In Corinth, there was a church, and he wrote this to them. He said, look, if the dead, this is 1 Corinthians 15. If the dead aren't raised, the Messiah wasn't raised either. And if the Messiah wasn't raised, your faith is pointless and you are still in your sins. What's more, people who have fallen asleep in the Messiah, that is, died previously, uh, but they, they, they hoped in the Messiah, but if he wasn't raised, whoever died uh, then, fallen asleep, will have perished for good. Game over. In verse 19, if it's only for this present life that we have put our hope in the Messiah, we are the most pitiable members of the human race. But, in fact, the Messiah has been raised from the dead. And that's the game changer. That's why we gather here. That's why Western culture and human history has never been the same, because that tomb was empty. No matter what cover-up they were trying, it was a game changer. And these disciples wrote it down for us so that we too would believe. Imagine a community of people, followers of Jesus, that were bringing some resurrection into every part of our community. That we were, we were able to bring light and hope into dark places in our world. What if we could be a people who would, would, would see some dead and lifeless things and, and by the power of Jesus bring life to those dead things? To bring resurrection to our community. What if we could be that people? Imagine a resurrection people living a new way to be human. I think that's what God's calling us to do. And resurrection makes it all possible. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. So let him do his resurrection work in you. Now, if you've, I want to pray with us, but if you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never started following that path, I encourage you to take a next step today. Maybe some of you, you're ready to jump all in. If you want to get baptized as well today, you can do that right after we're done here. But take a next step. Take a step, right? Take a step and let God do a miracle in your life. Let's pray. Father, you're good and you're powerful and you're mighty. Thank you for uh, the little miracles and the big miracles. Thank you for the miracle of resurrection. It shows us that this, it's, not, it's not over and that you're still doing awesome things in the world. Father, do awesome things in each of our lives. Help us to be resurrection people to the, the, the folks that we're, we're near and that, Father, you would help us to bring light and hope to our community and our world. And may you do immeasurably more than any of us could ever ask or imagine according to your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.